I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, everybody. I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. During quarantine, we discovered we both dislike and or also get confused by a lot of movies, especially the ones that are supposedly the classics. We do weekly phone calls to try to maintain some semblance of social skill. And during one of them, I made a movie reference that Liana didn't get and then I couldn't explain. No. And it was at that point that we realized that we had both been embarrassed about saying to people that we didn't really like movies all that much. I only like movies that can hold my attention with color and childlike whimsy, like Nacho Libre. Yes. And Liana only likes horny films, like the Marvel movies. Horny films, generally, is a broad category. we got to narrow it down to specifically Chris Evans yanking a helicopter out of the air with one bicep. Come on. Shortly after that, we talked about making a podcast and then happened to stumble upon the iHeartRadio Next Great Podcast Competition. We heard about this contest. We pitched it to iHeartRadio. We were chosen as finalists in the competition. We recorded a pilot episode, then the public voted on that episode. And we thank you for doing your civic duty because, oh, baby, we won. How did it happen? How was it not a prank? (laughs) So that's how we came to be. 
You can find our contest episode on Citizen Kane on mm-hmm. iHeartRadio's website. That's right. Or on the Next Great Podcast 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 channel. Podcast, 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 On podcast, the Next podcast. Great Podcast podcast channel. And possibly on this Tossed Popcorn channel as well. We're hoping to figure out the uh, engineering required to do such. That is also why we are starting, ostensibly, this official podcast with number two on the list, which is The Godfather. This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching The Godfather, number two on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this decades-old film. Strap in. (laughs) To start off... (laughs) That's the theme song, right? Yeah, the title. The score. The title score, I think it's called. (laughs) we're not going to get the rights for that (laughs) (laughs) so that's as close as you can get from us okay liana well we both watched the godfather at this point Mm -hmm. haven't heard a thing about how you felt about it Mm -mm. just one distraught selfie was texted to you at the end of the three hour excursion (laughs) i'm ready to hear your prediction and then get your take Terrific. Uh, Every episode before we watch the film, we record a little prediction of what we think the film is going to be about, and then we play it for each other on the show. Hi, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch The Godfather. TB completely H. I have been dreading this all day. (laughs) I just, I really have a feeling I'm going to have a bad time throughout this film. I don't know a lot about it. The things that I do know, somebody comes to somebody on the day of that somebody's daughter's <laughs> wedding. Yes. Uh, a horse has a bad time. <laughs> and I know there's some line that's like, take a gun, leave a cannoli. And it's three hours long. Mm-hmm. Which is just why. So yeah, about to watch it. Um, say some prayers. Love you. Bye. <laughs> prayers for you in the past. Thanks. <laughs> You actually knew a good amount of references. Yeah, I didn't realize how many iconic lines and moments came out of this film and had wormed their way into my brain. Right. Just a cultural icon, just part of the zeitgeist. Ooh, okay. (laughs) A little vocab word early on. Mm -hmm. Just to start it off. Thank you. Remind people that we're smart before we dive into all of our dumb takes on this movie. All right, I am ready and willing to hear your prediction. Hi, Liana, it's Sienna. So I'm about to watch The Godfather and I'm just going to predict what it will be about. I don't have to predict much because I have seen the movie three to four times. I had to write a paper on it in college and so I watched it many times so that I could analyze it. I don't remember what the thesis of this paper was, (laughs) but I know that my grade was not great. (laughs) So in this movie... A son will be at first afraid of and then looking up to his father. And then he'll eat pasta with some scary people and put a gun into a bathroom and then blow up a car. I'm pretty sure I got it all. So we'll see you at the movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You picked every crucial point of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said you saw it three times before you recorded that prediction? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it three times before. Well, this will be good because I was very confused and stressed for 
the the entire three hours. Yes. So I, I do think I missed a lot. And uh, I'm excited for you to sort of um, fill in the blanks. Yeah, there were things I got this time watching that I did not the other time. So I can happily fill you in. Okay, terrific. Well, to start, would you mind just giving a brief summary? Yes. From this time around watching it, I have determined that this movie is about The Godfather. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Godfather is a mob boss. He's out here doing his mob thing, being in, in, an influencer and all that stuff <laughs> in politics. Uh, his son, Michael, is the one family member who is not part of criminal activity. You know, he's straight laced. He's not going to be part of this mob family. Then another mob family, the Tatalias, they decide that Don Corleone, the godfather, is too old fashioned because he doesn't want to get into the narcotics market. He doesn't want to get into drugs. So they say, you're too old, old man. And they, that family, the Tatalias, come for the Corleone family. And because of that, Michael, our main character, the son of the godfather, has to decide if he's going to get more involved. And of course he does. And we see him sort of dive into this criminal activity, becoming more like his father, even though he never thought he would. <laughs> Thank you. That was really Thank good. You. That was really helpful. Genuinely, I, I, <laughs> I was so confused <laughs> for so much of this movie. <laughs> Anything in particular that, that I just cleared up right now? What was confusing? Listen, I am not good with violence. And this is a film about the Italian-American, the Sicilian, no, the American mafia. So violence is um, a key factor. And so I think I watched at least 45 minutes of it on mute because for me, it's really the sounds of violence oh, that oh I gosh. find the most upsetting. Did you know that this movie is known for its sound design as well? Oh, no. That's like its whole claim to fame is it has this amazing sound design and it's a really movie about violence. Yeah, that's hilarious. Heck. Okay, well, miss that. I do have many notes of sort of historical context surrounding this film. Sienna, are you ready? I'm excited. <laughs> okay. The Godfather premiered in New York on March 14th, 1972. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who was 31 at the time, and congratulations to him. At the 1973 Oscars, this film was nominated for Best Actor, a bunch of things. It won Best Actor, Best Picture, and Best Adapted Screenplay, but... Marlon Brando refused the award because he was protesting the way that Hollywood was portraying Native Americans in oh, film. Okay. Which was cool as hell on Marlon Brando's part. A fact that's really going to make this person look less good is that Pacino also boycotted the ceremony, but it was because he'd been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, um, even though he had more screen time than Brando. <laughs> But in 1972, here's some stuff that was going on. The island of Okinawa, which was under U.S. military governance since its conquest in 1945, reverted to Japanese control. The Berlin Wall is still up and the USSR is still the USSR. All of that is to say, even in this year, 1972, that the film came out, the globe was still feeling a lot of the ramifications of World War II. Let's move on to the Sicilian Mafia. Yay! I, by the way, am genuinely afraid that there is now sort of a, a, a tracker on me for all of the mafia Googling that I did this morning. <laughs> One thing to know is the American mafia is a different separate entity from the Italian mafia. The Sicilian mafia actually started because a lot of foreign countries were occupying Sicily. And so the residents of Sicily formed these groups to protect themselves from these often hostile foreign occupiers. And then those groups later became known as clans or families. 
They developed their own system for justice and retribution. Sound familiar? And by the 19th century, small private armies known as mafia extorted protection money from landowners across Sicily. Fascinating. Yes. The term mafia comes from the Sicilian Arabian expression, meaning acting as a protector against the arrogance of the powerful, which I love. I know. It's like a hot saying. It's uh, (laughs) The American mafia came to power during the 1920s prohibition era when they were selling bootlegged versions of alcohol because it was banished (laughs) from America. Its peak was the 40s and 50s, which is when The Godfather takes place. And they had government officials, politicians, etc. in their pocket via bribes and intimidation. The five families, which you see in the film, who are the sort of five different mafia organizations in New York, was a real thing. The uh, Italian-American Civil Rights League held a rally in Madison Square Garden when they heard about The Godfather in 1972 because they were worried that the film would defame Italian-Americans and it would focus on these tropes about Mm. them being gangsters and very violent and that sort of thing. And they wanted all uses of the words mafia and Cosa Nostra removed from the script. And those words do not appear in the film. I remember that fact. I forgot about that. Oh, they don't ever say mafia. That's right. Well, thank you for those facts. (laughs) That really set the stage from so many different perspectives. (laughs) Are you ready to move on to some phone notes? God, yes. Every episode, we do a section, a segment called Phone Notes. We don't watch these movies together because we do not live together. And so while we're watching them, we take notes on our phones about things that we want to talk about. Before I start getting into my phone notes, I just want to clarify, there are a lot of characters in this film. So here's a little sort of cheat sheet for everybody. Oh my God, this is going to be so helpful for me specifically, (laughs) because that is what I was wanting during the movie. Okay, this is who we're working with in this film. So we have our main man. Maybe I guess the Oscars didn't call him that, but the guy who's on screen the most is Al Pacino playing Michael. When we first meet Michael, he's a soldier, not connected to the family or into the crime business, but he is the Godfather's son. Okay. Then there is the Godfather himself, played by Marlon Brando. He's referred to as Don Corleone. I guess his actual name is Vito. He's just the big mob boss. He has the most connections to judges and politicians of all the mob families. Okay. Then there's the girl character of the film. And there are not a lot of women who speak in this film. Let me tell no, you. there are not. Her name is Kay. She's played by Diane Keaton. She is Michael's girlfriend at the start of the film when everything is happy for a second for her. She ends up getting cucked hard by the mob. <laughs> <laughs> then the brothers slash supporting mobsters. Okay. Tom is the blonde guy. He's the mm-hmm. blonde. I think he is the consigliere. Does that sound right? That's correct. Okay. He's like the consultant right-hand man for the Godfather. Uh, Then there's Sonny, the angry brother. Mm. Okay. The difference between Sonny and Tom, besides their very different characters, Sonny is played by the dad from Elf. (gasps) Tom is played by the dad from Kicking and Screaming. Both are Will Ferrell films, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Oh my God. I knew they looked familiar. Yeah. Everybody in this film went on to be the father of Will Ferrell in some movie or another. (laughs) Um, okay. The Godfather. There's also a very round-headed brother named Fredo, who's not in it much, but he works at a casino. Uh, then there's Connie, the poor, poor sister, who has an abusive husband. Um, the abusive husband's name is Carlo, who comes up a bit. Okay, that's them. Other than that, the Tatalias are the other crime family in general. There's this guy, the Turk, 
he's also important. He's the one who originally comes to the Corleones and says, do you want to do drugs with us? Do you want to sell oh. drugs? Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. There's some cheat sheet uh, people for you. Thank you. Yeah, we can create a whole little family tree. So phone notes. Boom. This movie starts off. You hear that iconic music, which I'll lay over as my own singing since we don't have rights to it. <laughs> and then we're at Don Corleone's daughter's wedding. And mm. basically Don Corleone's just sitting in his mobster office and people come through and they ask him for favors or show their allegiance in different ways. And the first thing that I noted and wrote down was when this man starts crying while talking to Don Corleone, they hand him not a Kleenex, but a shot. (laughs) (laughs) That does feel sort of like dudes comforting dudes, you know, like, hey, man, just drink it away. Here you go, homie. Yeah. And then the other important thing that I thought was very funny about this opening scene is that basically Don Corleone's display of power right off the bat is through a huge guilt trip. (laughs) Mm. This guy's like, please kill the men who hurt my daughter. And Don Corleone's like, you never come to my house for dinner. (laughs) You don't call me the godfather. You never even call me. (laughs) He felt like, um, he felt like my grandma whenever I visit her. And then she's like, why don't you ever visit me? (laughs) That's so funny. The two things that I really noticed about this scene were that The first line of the movie is, I believe in America. And I said, oh, no. (laughs) Who says that? The guy who's delivering that emotional shot riddled monologue. And the other thing was that, well, two other things. I was very stressed, as I've said, for the whole film. But in this scene, my specific source of stress was that Marlon Brando was holding a cat. And I was worried for the cat. And I texted Sienna. She can attest to this. I said, please tell me if anything happens to the cat. (laughs) And I said, no. But I was, he just was so, you don't know what the vibes are right off the bat. You don't know if this film's going to start with a cat getting getting wrecked. No, that's fair. Fortunately, the cat was okay. The last thing that I wrote down about this scene was, wow, they really said violence against women right off the bat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is a common theme. Because it's this man describing a violent attack on his daughter, a character we of course never meet, who will not be spoken to or heard from during this film. Yeah, a whole lot of domestic abuse and the women never getting to speak, and then men Mm. hurting each other for doing said domestic abuse, but still nobody ever talks to the women. (laughs) (laughs) They really could solve problems if they had talked to the women. (laughs) Come on, boys. When they cut to the wedding and everybody is sitting in direct sunlight, which, by the way, as a very pale woman, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine. (laughs) The sound and the visuals, the only word I could think to describe it was brassy. It just felt like I was amongst brass instruments. I was more at that point thinking about all the Italian stuff that was going on. You know, I mean, it was this Italian music, the family, Mm. whatever. I was actually enjoying that. I, I liked the music. I did. I, I really never relaxed enough during this film to enjoy uh, any of it because I didn't know when there was going to be violence. I knew there was going to be, but I didn't know when. I also found a way to be stressed during the wedding scene when they unveiled that massive cake. And it is so many tears. It's so tall. It does not look like it's structurally entirely sound. And then they put it in direct sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was fancy. Four whole tears. 
Well, sure, it's fancy, but it's going to melt before anybody can have a slice. (laughs) It's not an ice cream cake. Frosting melts, Sienna. Hey, everybody, hold on to your cannolis because we are going to take an ad break. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At minute 10... Uh, 25 seconds is the first time Gabagoo is said. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And definitely the only time. (laughs) But that was present. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember um, Sonny, the angry son, at some point calls Tom, Tamagotch. And I was reminded of the the little game Tamagotchi from the fifth grade. I don't know if you recall. Yes, of course. It was like a little creature you have to keep alive. Not at all a part of Italian culture, well, but maybe inspired by this film. <laughs> Tamagotchi. No. 
It's about taking care of your family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have anything before we get to the horse head scene. Oh God, yes. Okay, my one thing that I did write down, and I am not proud of this because as a woman, I should not have written this down, was I hope Kay dies. <laughs> it's not yeah. her fault. This is, no, okay. I have thought about this. I was thinking about it during <laughs> therapy today. And I don't actually hope Kay dies, but the writers made her so boring that she had no qualities that made her at all somebody that I was invested in. Oh. And so I was like, this character's doing nothing for me. I wouldn't be emotionally distraught if they died because nobody in this film has made me care about them. <sighs> so I was totally endeared by her. Really? Fine. Yeah. I really also got thrown by her eyebrows because where were they? Oh, wait, how thin they were? They were so thin. Oh, yes. Okay, I didn't notice it in the first scene, but when it came, when she came back on later in another scene, I, I literally said, the mafia got her eyebrows. <laughs> they got whacked. They are swimming with the fishes for sure. <laughs> her eyebrows get thinner later in the film. Absolutely. I mean, I guess that's her character development. Right. And that's all they gave her. <laughs> um, okay, how did you feel about the horse head scene? The horse head scene. Reader, uh, listener, the horse head scene, they fly to Hollywood to ask a movie exec to put the godfather's actual godson in his movie, but the guy says no, and also unleashes a bunch of racial slurs in like one sentence. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he says no to Tom, the consigliere, and Tom's like, all right, I'll head out, I guess. Before that happens, however, the movie exec is like, come meet my horse. <laughs> I was distressed because I knew going into this film about the horse head and yeah. that I don't know if it's true or not, or if it's an urban legend that they hadn't told the actor that it was going to be a real horse head and they got a real one and blah, blah, blah. And so I knew there was going to be a horse head. What I did not know is that we were going to see the horse alive and well beforehand. And that I was like, no, I know this guy's just going to get shrecked in like minutes. So that's how I felt going into it. So I'm just going to say it. Of course, a man made this scene where, again, a man wakes up to find blood all over his bed. <laughs> and it becomes one of the most famous and horrific scenes of all time in cinematic history. Um, try getting a copper IUD inserted. Hey! Because <laughs> you're going to have a horse head in your bed every 28 days. Nice! Just saying. <laughs> Sienna takes down the mafia. I loved how much he was screaming, too. He was screaming bloody murder, which makes sense if it was like, a real surprise yes. to this actual actor, but his screams, I was like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting a horse head to look like when severed, but I was caught off guard. <laughs> I didn't know it was a real horse head. Oh shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, I don't think it was that horse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I read that they got it from a dog. The horse morgue. Oh, the horse morgue. <laughs> Let's dive into that. What do you think a horse morgue is and where? Where the dead horses are. <laughs> at the dog food factory, apparently. So you think that there's a whole morgue dedicated to horses specifically, and they're just doing horse autopsies throughout the day? I guess I'd like to think that. Here's my thing. My issue with that scene was how on earth did that guy sleep through them putting a horse head into his bed? I could not stop thinking about the logistics. <laughs> How many guys did it take to carry the head? I mean, it's probably heavy. That is one part. I had an issue with this movie being so goddamn long in a lot of ways. And I was like, they could have really condensed a lot of parts of this. But the one place I was like, I actually wish they would have gone into more detail was the horse head heist. 
that is a special feature I'd like to see is afterward the little the extra scene yeah the deleted <laughs> scene of them actually scurrying in in the night getting this head this you know hopefully putting the horse to sleep chopping its head off there's no way do you think it's easier or harder if the horse sleeps standing up <laughs> to decapitate it <laughs> to decapitate it. maybe they got a guillotine a horse guillotine from the horse morgue <laughs> yep from the horse morgue. that was the first of like a lot of the blood i feel like mm. that just started it off so you must have been just in hell I was <laughs> as a gore hater. Truly, I think this film, I think watching it took a year off my life. And I genuinely believe that <laughs> it was so such a long period of time to be completely stressed out <laughs> for. I also the horse head was the only really violent thing I knew was going to happen. And it happened so early on. And I was like, no, <laughs> what else is coming up? There's more where that came from. It is all pretty spaced out, which does make it very unpleasant. Yeah, it's because this movie is way too long. <laughs> yeah, a big reason why this movie was not amazing, the way everyone talks about, is because it's really stressful. Mm. I did not like feeling that stress the whole time. I didn't enjoy it. I can't, I just can't understand why people are like, I, that's my favorite movie. Like, what is your favorite thing? Just being anxious for being 180 so minutes? <laughs> I guess. Or maybe people don't have as much anxiety as, as I, which is something I... <laughs> Often forget. Um, I got, okay, we have to talk about when the titular godfather gets murdered. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I was I was A, were you surprised? I was surprised. But B, I did, I have to admit, I really laughed a lot. Um, because oh. because dude just wants to buy a couple of oranges. The godfather <laughs> stops, his bodyguard is like out sick, so his son is just <laughs> parading him around town. And Marlon is like, let me out. I want to buy two oranges. <laughs> and so he goes and he gets them. And then he's coming back to the car and so many men emerge from nowhere <laughs> and they shoot him a comical number of times directly in the back. And then Sienna, do you remember how he kind of milks the roll off the car oh, yeah. onto mm -hmm. the ground? Yeah, that slow motion flop he does. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, mood. The way you described that, the like just trying to get up and get two oranges and then having life just like come in and just shoot you a thousand times. Ah. Um, here's a fun fact because my sister was with me while watching this and she went to three weeks of film school before leaving because <laughs> the film men in it were horrible. But no. what she told me is that oranges are a symbol in this movie. And whenever there are oranges, this might have helped you actually as, an, as a person with anxiety. Mm. Whenever there are oranges, you know somebody is going to die or is Why? Get hurt. Why would you not text me that beforehand? <laughs> That's not helpful to me now that I have lived through it. Apologies. That's all right. At one point, Sonny writes something down on a cupboard. I also wrote that. <laughs> he's getting a note on the phone. He's like, all right. And instead of writing it on a notepad, he just puts it right on the cupboard. He writes 8.30 on a cupboard. And I, when that happened, I said aloud, oh, man. <laughs> I wrote, I love that energy. <laughs> really? Wow. We had different responses to that. I was excited when Enzo the Baker reappears during that uh, hospital scene. The hospital scene. I was hoping scene. he'd show up with another huge ass wedding cake. Yeah. Um, that hospital, for sure haunted. Definitely. Empty. After the Godfather gets shot a bunch of times earlier on, he does not die, surprisingly. He, this is just why he's bedridden for the rest of the film. Um, and he's actually not in the film that much because of that, which is interesting. But he is at the hospital and at one point, midpoint of the movie this big hospital scene happens and it's completely empty because the everybody working there had been paid off to leave so that they could come in and boom, take out the Godfather. Oh, yeah, that's I what was going on in that scene. 
That's why oh. Michael comes in and he's coming to get his dad out because he knows he's been set up. He's going to be killed. Wow. Yeah. And that's why right. when you hear those footsteps, it's another thing about the sound design, <gasps> I think. I don't know. I remember the footsteps being important for this paper that I wrote, but I don't know if I wrote about them. <laughs> okay. I, I have to say I did not hear the footsteps because the film was muted at that point. <laughs> it is so funny to mute the Godfather. <laughs> like, I think that's its whole thing. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> Who knew that? I didn't know that either. Um, but you hear these footsteps coming and it's all scary. And then it's, it's Enzo the baker. Hey! <laughs> Yay! But this is a big turning point, people, in mm. the movie, because this is the scene where he gets to his father in this empty hospital. And he's so worried about him. And he, oh, by the way, Michael had had to find out that his dad was shot through the newspaper yeah. that he happened to read. Because that's how news happened back then. To find out something bad happened to your family, you had to be part of one of the biggest crime families in America and find out about it in the news from the newspaper. That would be a bummer of a way to find out family news. Like if you got a CNN push notification. So anyway, this is the scene where he comes to his dad and he says, I'm with you. I'm with you, pops. And that's basically when he turns over to the mafia side of things. That's when he says, bye-bye, Kay. Nice being your boyfriend. But um, I'm going to go hang out with my dad. Dumped for his dad. This really is helping me just gain a lot of clarity on because I didn't know who the main character was until like hour two. <laughs> um, can I say something? You, it's a podcast. You kind of have to. Al Pacino. No, what? no, you cannot say this. This is incorrect. Doing it for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I noticed this because again, I've seen this movie like four times now. And I had never thought about this until this time watching. And it's definitely because of the moment I'm at in quarantine. (laughs) I was like, okay, Al Pacino. Not as much after he got punched in the face, but it wasn't like a deal breaker. I think that really would have helped me a lot is if I was horny for any character in this film. (laughs) I, for a second, thought Tom was hot. And then there was a scene where Tom was really hairy on his shoulders. And it turned out that that was not Tom. And so I went back to <laughs> thinking maybe Tom was hot. But now that I know he was Will Ferrell's dad, you know, I'm like, I, I'm cooling on Tom pretty quick. I wrote at one point, Al Pacino speaking Italian, even with his messed up cheek, is the hottest thing I've ever seen. I might wow. throw up. I, but that's, that's when I noted that I didn't feel this way in the past. So I think it's yeah. a moment. We, I mean, you got to take any quarantine attraction with a grain of salt. I also wrote about Al Pacino speaking with a swollen cheek, but what I wrote is that I was very stressed for him because I have had wisdom tooth surgery and you are not supposed to talk a lot when your jaw is messed up because it's only going to increase your face swelling. Oh, well, maybe that's why it was swollen for so much of the movie. Yeah, because dude would not shut up. (laughs) Because his face was swollen for so long. Where does he even get punched? Do you remember? The face. No, (laughs) no. Where in the film? He gets point? punched. I know this because I also saw this on mute as well. Um, he gets punched outside of the hospital by the police captain. But he had it for what felt like years. He even had I like a bruise it- when he went to, spoiler alert, when he went to Italy. But I, I thought they were using it to keep track of time so that we were aware of time. I was so confused about what year it was at any point in this film. Because his bruise lasted it, for And it was the years. bruise that fucked me up. Let's talk about the restaurant scene, a scene that I experienced almost completely in silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this is another part of Michael's becoming a part of the crime family. Marine no more. Time for crime. 
Right. I will explain it. And here's the other thing is that they explain it for you in the movie before it even happens, which I was so annoyed by. I really enjoy that modern films, when they're about to do like a heist or a little like crime thing with a plan, they intercut the narration with the actual thing happening. So you don't have to sit and watch it twice. This film did not do that. Al Pacino sits with all of his bros and is like, here's everything I'm going to do. And here's how we're all going to do it. Then he goes to the restaurant and you see the entire plan unfold. What happens is he's planning to get revenge on two men who have names. And those two men are the guy who tried to get the Corleone family into the narcotics industry, the Turk, and the police captain who punched the heck out of Michael's jaw. So he goes to the restaurant. Somebody else has hidden a gun behind a toilet. So Michael gets up from the dinner table and the whole plan is that he's going to discreetly go take a leak and then come back and have a gun and shoot everybody in the face. And that's pretty much what happens. (laughs) What did you think... Because that I th- I think that's like a very iconic scene, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't, I, you know what? I'm gonna say it. I kind of like that scene. All right. Yeah, I mean, it it does achieve what it's trying to. I think that's one of the like three scenes that you could keep when you cut this movie down to the size mm. it should be, which is like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does the progress one. the plot in a major way because that's what sort of solidifies Michael as a member of this crime family. Mm-hmm. It's what causes him to have to go study abroad in Sicily for a number of yes. months slash years. We have no idea. It, yeah, it changes his whole life. Exactly. I really did love the scenes in the Italian countryside. I got bamboozled. I thought it was going to be half violent mafia film and then half rom-com in Italy. It kind of was. Oh my God, we're done. No, it was maybe seven minutes in the Italian countryside. Then they went back to New York and I said, no, no. Yeah. Well, about two years, I think he was supposed to be there. Really? God damn. I I really, it could have benefited so much from just a a little time card saying like, oh, two years later, or hey, it's 1950, whatever. Um, Yes. The Italy, all the Italian parts of this movie, quite charming. It's just Italian culture is fun to take in. While Michael's in Italy, he meets a lady. Apollonia. Apollonia Mm -hmm. gets married while he's there. He just becomes more and more like his dad all the time, getting more aggro and alpha male and telling people what to do. And um, while he is abroad, his brother, Sonny, dies. Oh my God, he dies so hard. I know. There's, There's many a hole in this boy. Here's something that I... Could you clear this up for me? So I my understanding is that Sonny is protecting his sister, Connie, from her husband, Carlo, who is abusive to her. Correct. Connie calls Sonny distressed that Carlo has been abusing her more. So Sonny drives off in a rage and he gets stopped at a toll booth and he gets really violently shot so many times by, again, so many men who come out of nowhere. (laughs) My question is, but before you answer it, I do have a good joke about this scene. My question is, how did that happen? Who knew that Sonny was coming? Who ordered the hit on him? My great joke Sonny dies at this toll road area. (laughs) Talk about a phantom toll booth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This is a great question because this is something that I was confused about before. So at the time, no, you have no idea. When he gets shot at the toll booth, it's completely random and you don't know who set him up. At the very end of the film, remember they end up sitting down with Carlo. They say, listen, listen, buddy, we know what you did to Sonny. So it was Carlo. Carlo was the inside job. Okay. So probably Bartzini or whoever called and said, hey, you know, Bartzini ends up being the real bad guy, not the Tatalias or whatever. It's so... The thing about all these facts is like, they don't matter. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care that it ends up being Bartzini. (laughs) That was my exact thing the whole movie. I was like, I don't care. I don't care what's happening. I don't care about any of these characters. 
I really, the only thing I was invested in was that I knew at exactly 7.30, I was going to pause the movie and go make popcorn. <laughs> and it took so long to get to 7.30. Yeah. I just think this is a good example of why we shouldn't have men do things. <laughs> I wondered too, I was like, were people just more bored in the 70s? Like they were just willing to spend three hours at the cinema because what else was going on besides the Vietnam War? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Either see this movie or be in the Vietnam War. Do you need to be baptized? Now's the time, as we're taking an ad break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey. 
So here's the thing, guys, is that uh, Michael's wife gets car bombed. So very much. Then he comes back home and he's like, well, does he come home for another reason? Dude, why would I know that? <laughs> this is when you start losing it in the movie. You click pause to go make popcorn and you find out there's still an hour and a half left and you just it start losing. Unbelievable. My soul left my body. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael's Italian wife, Apollonia, Greek, Italian? I don't know. His wife, who we met in Sicily, Apollonia, gets into a car. She's like, I'm going to drive. And then the car fucking explodes. Aff. <laughs> so Michael's like, I guess I'll go back to America. And it also turns out it's safe to go back to America again. When he comes back, he approaches Kay. Oh, here's my great joke about Kay. When Michael married Apollonia in Sicily, I wrote down, I guess not every kiss begins with Kay. (laughs) (laughs) I thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. That's a great takeaway from this film, honestly. That's some joy we've taken away. Yeah. Anyway, he comes back to America. He's like, hey, Kay, I'm approaching you at your place of work. Um, my wife exploded. Do you want to hang out? Yeah, I wrote, my wife got car bombed. You up? <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, this is a good time for a little segment <gasps> that I prepared called Red Flags, ladies. Oh. oh, this is so exciting. Okay, great. Please jump in as you would like. <clears throat> this is for you, Kay. This is for the girl character, Kay, of this film who just is dragged around by this man, Michael. Yes, with no eyebrows in sight. No eyebrows at all. Maybe because she and keeps being dragged. They fall off. No dignity either. No. Okay. Listen, ladies, when he says, that's my family, it's not me, at the beginning of your relationship, we all know that's never true. Mm. A man is always going to end up being just like his family. We all fall into it. Okay. So especially problematic when his family is the mob. Mm. Okay, ladies... If the feds are checking all the license plates at the family (laughs) wedding he invited you to, that's a red flag. Is that what they were doing? Yeah. I thought that was the valet. (laughs) If he leaves the country without telling Mm. you, stays there for two years and marries a local, walk away. (laughs) And if the reason he left you is because he's wanted for murder, that's a red flag too. If he only says I love you after his Italian wife gets car bombed, that's a red flag. And finally, if he only wants to marry you when he becomes head of his crime family, ladies, that's the biggest red flag of all. Absolutely. The only one I would add is this happens early on. If you call him on the telephone and you say, I love you, and he responds, huh? (laughs) That's a red flag. And you know what? That's a red flag that applies to all of us. Regardless of gender, if they reply, huh? (laughs) With open confusion after you confess your love, you got to get out of there. Um, Sienna, I also have a little segment for you, um, (gasps) which is things that caused me to mute the film The Godfather. (laughs) Wonderful. I developed this skill from watching Game of Thrones. I got really good at identifying little visual clues besides oranges, apparently, that tip you off to somebody is about to get stabbed or worse. First up, the music got too ominous. I have muted the film. There was a close-up on somebody's fingers. I have muted the film. Uh, I do not trust dimly lit scenes with very few people. I have muted the film. There is a scenic field of wheat with the Statue of Liberty in the background. I have muted the film. Ominous music again. Film is muted. There is a policeman. I have muted the film. (laughs) A man got into a car with other men. I have muted the film. A man went to the bathroom. I have muted the film. (laughs) Too many men on a dark stairwell. I have muted the film. 
Children playing in the street. I have muted the film. A woman has a knife. I have muted the film. A man is running away from a car. I have muted the film. <laughs> People are standing. I have muted the film. There are children. I have muted the film. Someone named Mo entered. I have muted the film. <laughs> A man is preparing a weapon. I have muted the film. Tessio showed up. I have muted the film. Something happens in a car. I have muted the film. And finally, three men approached another man. I have muted the film. I also should say, the entire last 20 minutes of this movie, I watched in silence. <laughs> because, and I'll give a quick summary for the listener, the last 20 minutes are when Michael really ascends to becoming the new titular godfather. He literally becomes a godfather to his sister Connie's son. And then he has the heads of all of the other five families in New York. Oh, absolutely murdered in different and creative ways, none of which I saw. <laughs> Did you look away too? I will show you. I So because there were subtitles on, I would hold up my hand in front of my eye and I had a little gap between my thumb and my pointer finger to read the subtitles. <laughs> but I, I just couldn't God. after the violent shooting of Sonny on the bridge where there just were so many holes in him yeah i was i visually didn't want more of that in my brain um liana this movie must have really sucked for you <laughs> it was awful it was so unenjoyable yeah because you already don't like the gore but i think that all those scenes the creative ways of killing blah 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 that's kind of like what's so cool you know so Ugh. if you're not even looking at it or enjoying it that takes away the only like exciting good scenes yeah um, yes, that is the end of the movie. Um, an important thing as well. Did you mention that it was during, during a baptism? Can I ask you before we launch into our next segment? You're yes. Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, is part of all baptisms, the, the man, the priest, the priest um, blowing on the breathing, baby? Breathing three times on the baby? Absolutely not. No. Okay. <laughs> that was very strange to me. He, okay, the baby, he, was, he goes, <laughs> I just was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen that. Must be okay. an Italian Catholic thing. I don't know. Um, Weigh in if you know why this man exhaled on a baby. So next we have our segment, Badges and Trages. This is when we just go through the things that worked for us in the film, which we give badges to, and the things that we did not like so much, which get awarded trages. Okay, so for me, mm -hmm. glad you brought this up. Number one badge for me is all the Catholic symbolism, <laughs> including multiple Catholic sacraments on screen. Thank oh. you. Thank you. Okay, I will give this film a badge for having an unbelievable amount of bread in the <laughs> film. There were loaves decorating the set. And I I did enjoy that. Loaves and fishes. Oh my God. Religion is everywhere. Um, oh, another thing that I had was teeny tiny wine glasses. So small. I wrote that down too. Everywhere. That was cute. I will give a badge for the Italian countryside, the fleeting images that we saw of it. That was a real nice reprieve for me in the film. Gorgeous. Yes, I also loved the Italian stuff. Totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. A badge from me for a full recipe being given in a scene, just a <laughs> recipe for bolognese, I believe. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to write this down. I wish every movie had just a little instruction for life for me like that. My final badge is that the credits had more plot twists than the film because the entire time I was like, who is this guy? Who is this? Is that? Oh, all the names? <laughs> no, well, I didn't know who anybody was, but I could, I didn't know who was playing Michael. And I thought I was like, is it Dustin Hoffman? Is it the guy from The Graduate? Is that guy Dustin Hoffman? And I had no clue. And I'd only ever seen Al Pacino in one of the Oceans films 
where he's the owner of a Vegas hotel. And so when it was Al Pacino, I yelled at the basement. I was like, that was Al Pacino. And then when it was revealed that Kay is played by Diane Keaton, I said, what? You didn't recognize Diane Keaton? They took her eyebrows off. (laughs) They took her eyebrows off. (laughs) I have three more quick little badges. Um, Which is, this movie was ACAB, all right? <laughs> uh, big time. Um, a badge for crying grown men. Mm. All the grown men cried at one point. You I loved it. it. Absolutely. Um, and I like the ending. The ending was good. And I, right. that was one thing I'm like, yeah, it does. It deserves some love for that, whatever. <laughs> but the, it wasn't worth watching the movie for. Mm. All right. Trages, take it away. I got a trage for so much racism. I just oh baby against everyone. You you got slurs flying right and left, and uh, a man drops the n word way too comfortably in this film. I had to go back to that. <laughs> like, why was that even necessary? It was not. Yes, trage from me. I was so stressed, and I didn't <laughs> like it. Yeah, yeah. I got to give a trage for what could have been a nice scenic Italian romance, but was kept from us because they decided to speed through that storyline. You know that this got minus a thousand points for me for on-screen boobs. On-screen boobs! I wrote that down too! They just had to put it in there. There didn't need to be boobs. This woman's entire character was A, be pretty in a meadow, B, marry this guy, C, tits out, D, explode in a car. What you have to think about is that the man directing this is watching this woman take off her top and then going, great, got it, cut, thank you. And she had to audition, just never. I hate it. I hate it. No man can ever put boobs in a film. No. It's always Sienna, Sienna has made a very good point that you can always tell who was in charge of boobs being out in a film and whether it was a man or not a man. And this one, it's clear. very clearly. <laughs> Unnecessary. I will give this a trash for if you lined up every character in this film next to each other, I wouldn't be able to tell you who was who. Oh, yeah. Because it was just entirely men in suits. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> who indeed. were angry with each other or kissing each other on the cheek. And I was like, I don't know. My final trage, and this comes with a grim typo. It's supposed to say a trage for babies crying during important scenes. It says babies dying. <laughs> Dang. No babies <laughs> die in this film, except maybe, I don't know how old the horse was. Woo. Well, there you go. Those are our badges and trages for the long, long film, The Godfather. We're now going to do you a massive favor, which is we're going to embark on a segment called How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. You're at a Hollywood party. You're hanging out. You're enjoying yourself. And then a boy who went to film school approaches you. There, there he is now. <laughs> like a duck. <laughs> just a, a wet waddle up to you <laughs> at the party and he's bringing up the godfather we're gonna give you some sentences you could say to pretend you've seen this film so um how about those footsteps in the hospital scene such ineffable <laughs> sound design <laughs> i really was impacted by the scene where the man was killed Do you think the Christian symbolism is used to contrast Michael's movement towards darkness, or rather to equate Michael's journey to that of Christ? I think the first one. Hey, when in doubt, leave the gun, take the cannoli. The non-diegetic train screeching at the restaurant scene gave me chills. (laughs) 
you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Why, you never come over for dinner. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the Catholic imagery in the film reminds us that just as Jesus came to earth to serve God, his father, Michael can be seen as the flesh embodiment of Don Corleone's will. Every godfather needs a godson. Every crime lord, a crime Christ. I thought that one would make you laugh. <laughs> I honestly got stressed because I was starting to feel like how I felt for most of college where I did not do the homework. <laughs> I feel like I really dissociated for a lot of this movie, which is why I did not hold on to any sort of um, analytic prowess as you did. I dissociated too. And that is significant <laughs> because this film is boring and too long. And I actually think you don't have to see it. And... That's a good segue into our next segment, which is, should you watch this or? The segment where we tell you if this movie is worth watching, or if instead you should spend your precious time doing anything else. I think what you should do is just look up pictures of Al Pacino looking hot for three minutes, <laughs> and then watch the baptism scene only. So for me, this segment is always going to be, should you watch this or should you watch 1917? A perfect film starring a perfect man. Uh, boys and girls and everybody in between. <laughs> you gotta watch 1917. <laughs> it's a real quick. It is under two hours. The score slaps uh, throughout the film, not just sometimes. And more people in it are hot, I would say. In fact, many people in it, very hot. There is, again, just the one woman. Um, so if you're looking for that in a film that still gets ticked as a box, but this time she speaks French. Oh, <laughs> may we. Liana, how would you rate this film? This is hard for me because I really thought 0 0.5 was the lowest I could go in oh. terms of rating a film, like out of five. I'm going to give this one 0 0.25 horse heads out of five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which is actually a, approximately the amount of horse that you see in, in the latter part <laughs> of the film. Um, and I would give it 0 0.25 because I do think it did a good job of stressing me out, which I do think maybe it was trying to. How about you? I myself, I would give this film 2.5 sleeping fishes out of five. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so many. I know. That's a 50%. Oh, wait. You know what? <laughs> 2.4. Um, I think in the past, no, no, I mean, I guess it's because if the first time I saw this, I'd give it like a three because I, there were things I enjoyed about it more than I thought. I do like all the Italian stuff and um, the two scenes that are really good are really good, but I just don't care about the rest of the movie at all Yeah, and did not need to watch it. And it was really boring. So maybe closer to a two. I don't know why I feel the need to be optimistic <laughs> about it, but I would say don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone. That's it for our discussion of The Godfather. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts that you'd care to share, please feel free to tweet us at Tossed Popcorn. Um, we're also on Instagram at the same handle. And join us next week when we will be watching Sienna. Casablanca. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.